Hello and welcome back to Omni Women's All Change podcast. My name is Arusa and I hope you have been enjoying all the inspirational chats that Toby's been having with our amazing lineup so far. First, a quick intro to Omni Women. So we at Omni Women are a volunteer sisterhood from within Omnicom and we're on a mission to inspire women from around the world to lead, whether that's in their business or in their personal lives in a way that is truly authentic. In this series, we'll be talking to some amazing women who share our passion for lifting and inspiring the future generation of talent by sharing the good, the bad, and the beautiful moments where it all changed. Today, we have another inspiring and moving story with Jazz Rabadia. Jazz has an incredible professional journey, having been recognized in the Queen's 2016 New Year Honours for her services to sustainability in the energy management sector, as well as promoting diversity in science, technology, engineering and mathematics. As well as this, Jazz has done a lot to open the conversation around different journeys in motherhood and her own challenging journey. As well as that, she works to address the social stigma surrounding miscarriage and assisted conception. We hope that you're excited to hear Jazz's story as we are. Um, So on that note, I'll hand over to Toby and Jazz to take you through Jazz's moments of change. Jazz, welcome. I feel like this is awesome because we were literally just saying that we've had so many different conversations, uh, virtual conversations on the phone, voice notes, but never actually sat down to have a proper physical conversation. I know, it's great to sit across the table from you. Oh, welcome. So I'm so excited because I think you have one of the most, I guess, incredible stories to learn from the different meanders and the different lessons that you've gone through. But I also just think you're just a phenomenal, formidable, high achieving woman. Um, So yeah, I'm really, really thrilled to sit down and have this chat with you. Thank you. And right back at you. So I'm excited. I feel like I'm excited to be here, um, <laughs> but also really kind of just keen to see where the conversation goes. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So thank you. Uh, Jazz, you are a woman that wears a number of different hats and lots of you will know if you've been listening to this podcast series, we always start with a question of um, how do you define yourself? This was a tough one because you did warn me that this might come up. And to be honest, at as you kind of described it, right? So somebody who wears a lot of hats, I would probably define myself as a jazz of all trades. <laughs> <Love that. laughs> um, and and very much, I think that kind of stems from my just love for learning. Mm. I want to do and be and grow, um, whether that's obviously my love for engineering, my love for sustainability, my love for creativity, photography, sports. I kind of want to just try it all. Um, And I was thinking about, well, why? Why do I want to do it all? Um, And I think it's really down to the fact that I want to be able to add and I want to have like almost a portfolio of things that I bring to the table. So it's not just that I'm a sustainability professional. And for a long time, that is how I defined myself because I didn't see the value in everything else that I was doing. And now I truly understand like being this rounded individual that can yeah, that can have a laugh on a on a tennis court or a netball court, but can also kind of take some time out to really kind of craft, whether that's writing or drawing or taking pictures or or, or kind of editing, um, as well as what I do as a part of the day job is mm. is really what makes me me. Because yeah, going out there, learning, ma- mastering ish. So not fully mastering because I'm not that committed to anything really, <laughs> but giving everything a go. I think that's. Yeah, probably a better way of describing it giving everything a go and it's probably what's opened so many doors for me throughout my life and actually now I'm really embracing that I am 
all of those things. Yeah. And that actually makes me who I am. Yeah, I love that. And you, as you were saying that, I was like, you actually are a jazz of all <laughs> trades. You know, you're a mum, you're a STEM advocate, you are really big into in terms of sustainability. You can draw, you can <laughs> bake, you can do kick-ups. I cannot do kick-ups. Um, you're pretty good at netball. Like you're all these different things. You're like a friend to many people. So I definitely feel like that phrase is perfect for you. Jazz yeah. of all trades. And I think, you know, I'm the I'm the youngest of the family. I'm uh, I've got two older brothers. It was always about you have to give it a go, otherwise there'll be nothing for you to do. <laughs> so whether that meant yeah, joining in on the cricket, the football, whatever it was, I think from a very young age I was just like. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines mm. and watch. I'm, I'm going to have a tr have a go. Yeah, I love that. And well, now you've kind of answered my next question, which was, have you always defined yourself in that way? I, I don't think that I have. I think for okay. a long time, your what you do is who you are. Um, and it was it was the moment that the kind of flick, uh, sorry, the switch flicked, where I was like, it's not what I do; it's how I think, which what it, which is what makes me who I am. And how I think is kind of I think governed by all of the things that I participate participate in, not just my day job. Um, and I think, like I said, it's embracing that all of those hats and actually not being shy of the fact that you wear those hats and showing up wearing those different hats at different mm. moments. So it's not like when I went to work, I only talked about my professional self. Actually, people people can tell when something's off because I'm not being my whole self. Um, and I think bringing that energy and bringing that vibe of all the things that make you you and being like, you know, this kind of word of showing up as your authentic self is like, you know, it's been used quite a lot, but actually that's what I've always done. Yeah, I show up in my favorite sneakers because it's where I feel most comfortable. You know, I talk about the TV shows that I'm watching, even though I'm surrounded by people who probably aren't into the same genre <laughs> as I am. And I'm unashamedly me. And I think that that's what I'd encourage people to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you're actually just living it and living your truth. And I think it's, we've had several similar kind of conversations, but I don't think in many ways that is by accident in the sense that people are evolving or we're really kind of waking up, I think as a society to actually realizing that what we do is just one part of us and it isn't necessarily the definition of who we are. But I actually think what you do is quite interesting. So I know that when we were talking earlier and in one of our many conversations that actually stepping into STEM was something that wasn't necessarily really quite understood from those around you. And I think lots of people will probably be able to relate to something like that or doing something where people around you don't necessarily recognize it or appreciate what you're trying to do. But yeah, you still went ahead and did it anyway. I think there's something around like standing out from the crowd and, and, uh, going against the grain, right? Which is, I knew, even before I even kind of knew where my career would lead, I knew that there weren't many female engineers around. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll add one more to the stat because I can do this. In fact, it's all the things that I love. It's maths, it's chemistry, it's design, it's creativity, it's problem solving, it's making a difference. And at that point I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go. It will. I know it will turn heads. Um, and what almost the what's the worst that could happen? Mm. And it was a quite a bizarre kind of, I think, position to be in because I walked into this lecture room, full of hundreds of people, literally trying to spot the other women. And there weren't very many of us. Um, there were a few more of us in the first year, but as it is with the university, kind of by the time I got to my second and third year, like I was the only woman studying mechanical engineering. Mm. So 
I knew then, and that's when I realized that, okay, something needs to change here because there is so much to to learn and there is so much to give back to kind of society yeah. by studying a subject like this. Why are more people not doing it on purpose? And it was then that I realized like, oh, okay, I've got a little bit of a mission here mm. because when I stepped into the workplace, um, you know, it was even, it was even more obvious how fewer women there were in the rooms that I was in. And I never felt uncomfortable, uh, you know, a sister to two older brothers. I never felt uncomfortable in that space, but it, it definitely made me more aware of the fact that, you know, female engineers are, are rare. Yeah. They will be well sought after. So I, I did see it as a massive advantage because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to help organizations bring something different to the table. Mm. Um, but I realized that more people needed to be aware that careers like this existed, how fruitful they could be, how important they are, and just how, I think, dispel some of the myths surrounding what does an engineer do? What do yeah. they look like? Um, what are they involved in? And just share my story. And I think that that was probably a really pivotal moment of change for me in the understanding the power of my story and how it might just inspire one or two or hundreds of people to consider something that they hadn't considered before. And where do you find your confidence from? Because I can't imagine that the, that the stage of life where you're thinking about like career decisions, I mean, the career decisions I made at the earlier stage of life are not necessarily where I am now. So yeah, but I can't imagine being in that position and feeling really confident and assured of possibly the direction that you want to go in and actually not being afraid to stand out. So where do you find that confidence from now? And, and where did you find that confidence from at the time? I'd say my confidence now comes in like the validation of what I've achieved. I definitely didn't have it throughout my entire career. Like I walked into rooms where people had literally been doing what I'd been doing longer than I'd been alive at that stage. Mm. So I felt super like inferior um, and, and really lacked confidence. But it was with every kind of achievement, with every project that I landed, with every milestone that I reached, with every kind of, um, yeah, I guess challenge that I overcame, came the confidence like, oh, okay, I've done this. I can do it again yeah. with a little bit more stretch. And if I can't, I'll give it another go. And I think that this kind of the relentlessness of, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it and I'm just going to keep doing it until I get it, mm. get it right. And, and, Probably some of that stems from the sports, right? I'm just going to keep shooting and one of them will go in. Uh, and that's generally been my philosophy. You are literally like that. Obviously, I follow you on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you'll literally just post videos of you just trying, like going for a shot, trying. Okay, it goes in. Great. But then you still try again. You're not there like, yes, I got the shot. You're like, I'm going to try again. And then if even if it doesn't go in, you still go for it. Do you feel that you have had people in your corner like cheering you on? irrespective has that been a big part of yeah what you do and who you are so many right and often I think as a female in a, in a male dominated kind of industry you often get asked that question of like oh you know were there any challenges in your you know did did people always support you and of course there were people that didn't of course it's been like a tougher ride mm. to potentially my male counterparts right but there were so many people in my corner like, like exactly as you describe championing me cheerleading um, imparting knowledge uh, and I was a sponge I was like just yeah taking it all in and um, genuinely so indebted to them all and part of who I am today is because of the help that I've had and part of the reason I try to help others on their journey is because I feel like there's a, there is this whole element of 
paying it forward and mm. kind of you receive what you what you give and actually I want to give back to to others what I received and it's it was people who were yeah coaching me through the technical side of things it were people who, it was people who were yeah I think lifting my spirits at times where I was really struggling with either uh, the culture of workplaces or uh, the workload or the types, the breadth of things that I had to cover. There were so many people that were, I think, almost willing me on. Yeah. And that also gave me confidence mm. because people believing in you, of course, gives you a little bit more belief in yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's another kind of, yeah, lots of things give me confidence. Yeah. Although, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm, I'm often nervous as well. Uh, but I think this kind of internal confidence of, I'm just going to show up, I'm going to be me, I'm going to give it a go. Mm. is my approach to most things. You are so right when you say that people believing you can often sometimes be the reflection of confidence that you don't know that you have, but that you absolutely need. Um, we have just had some kind of like really amazing announcements at work and somebody who, and somebody who I consider to be such a huge cheerleader of mine is moving on into a new role and I'm absolutely delighted for them but all of a sudden I kind of came to that realization of actually that was the voice that often I have needed in those moments of really low confidence to be like you can absolutely do it like what are you worrying about and a big big part of me was like oh they're moving on like how how am I going to do it but actually you know I've come to realize that I'm a woman with children so it's probably about time that I kind of stand on my own two feet when it comes to confidence but you're absolutely right that sometimes you do need those people that are just cheering you on to kind of be the confidence that you already probably have mm. deep inside of you, but to kind of bring it out. And so I know that for you, your husband has definitely been one of those people. And we've actually had a really interesting conversation about actually how you choose your life partner is really, you know, if you too choose to have a life partner, mm. it's actually really important for the things that you want to go ahead and do sure. in your life. I read a really interesting quote that said, uh, there's only two kind of partners an ambitious woman can have. One is a supportive one and the other is no partner at all, right? And he has been in my corner kind of throughout, whether that's uh, my ambition, my progression in my career, whether it's my pursuit of many things that take up the time that probably we should be <laughs> spending together or spending together as a family. Um, but also, again, it's just that the person that you can be your true self around showing like you know no holes barred yeah no unfiltered this is how I feel and that's the person where you can say I feel really nervous about this conversation I have to have with Toby tomorrow or <laughs> I'm fine. I feel yeah exactly I feel really uncomfortable in what I have to wear or I feel really uncomfortable about the people I'm gonna have to um socialize with or network with at this particular event and like just yeah somebody in your corner going you've got this mm. and reminding you of the times where you've perhaps done it before or how you're going to feel after it's happened and just helping you kind of coaching you through those situations and you know I'm so fortunate he's one of many um, and I have probably a, a, a board a board of personal directors that I I, I seek support from mm. whether that's emotional support whether that's validation whether that's hey, I need the answer to this question. I've got a pool of people that I can reach out to and like are only ever a WhatsApp or a voice note away. <laughs> and I feel so, so fortunate um, to have that because, yeah, they don't need to be people who know about what I do for a living. They yeah. don't need to be people who understand 
every single element of my life, actually, the, sometimes the objective view is all you need. Someone to just go, oh, snap out of it or remember that time when yeah. or you said this last time and this is how you felt, just reminding you and kind of setting you back on the right path. So I think actually having that that group of people is so important. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we're definitely going to come back to the partnership with your husband because I think it's so important but I'm intrigued who else is on your personal board oh okay there's quite a few people do I name names or do I just describe who they are if you feel comfortable or can you just describe who they are so a couple of family members my brother is uh definitely one of them uh just in terms of just sound advice across multiple topics uh there's a couple of ex-colleagues and we talk really openly around things like salary salary negotiations hey I've got this new job opportunity some of the kind of taboo subjects right that you Mm. wouldn't necessarily have with just anyone so we're really open about what we earn what our earning ambitions are what we think our potential is um, different avenues we could explore so really open and honest conversations there's some childhood friends that kind of know me before before any of this I guess Um, and that's probably the people who know me the best um so yeah, we we talk about all sorts of things, but I think that's a nice, a really grounding conversation, right? Because they're not necessarily professionals. They don't necessarily understand the world of kind of corporate life. So again, it can be a really refreshing view. Yeah, ex-colleagues yeah. Of, of different forms uh, that have now lifelong friends um, that I talk to around things like, more around things like parenting, challenges, juggling, blending, balancing. Yeah, all the things that kind of keep people like sane right and I think on the face of it you know it's easy to look at someone and go ah they've got it all together Mm. but rarely people do right and you need that support system and yeah I I, I have it in abundance so I feel truly truly grateful it's been such a strong theme for all of these conversations actually has been you know asking for help or having a body of people around you who can help and Mm. I love that it's actually coming so strongly through in all of these conversations I'm definitely appreciating that as my life grows the more I need help I've got to say I miss my mum but you know she would she would not be happy that I missed her but she's (laughs) literally somebody I speak to daily and again it's really interesting right because so far generationally removed from some of the things that I'm experiencing but such a grounding voice Um, and so, yeah, she's another one. That yeah, I there's to. such power and wisdom and people that have kind of maybe gone before you, mm. even though maybe they've gone before you in slightly different circumstances. They still have a lot of wisdom yeah. to share. Like sometimes those are my favorite conversations, just sitting down with people that are 20, 30, 40 years older than me and just just listening yeah. and soaking it all, soaking it all out. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, so back onto this theme of partnership and partnership I guess to kind of enable you to go through the different meanders and flows of life I know um that in your story you have achieved some incredible things I think you recently won an award back at your university you've got an MBE I mean when I found out you had an MBE in the age (laughs) that you found out that you had an MBE I was like how what is she doing like where did she find all the hours I still ask myself how um how did that happen and how did it happen to someone like me it was honestly a probably the most humbling experience because still to this day I don't know kind of who nominated me um who was involved in the process and it yeah it was just life-changing moment I mean driving my mum and dad through the palace uh meeting the now king um it was just an incredible experience yeah 
gosh. And something that hopefully nobody can ever take away, right? Unless yeah. I do something really terrible. Um, <laughs> which, which I don't never do. To. I don't plan to. <laughs> so it's it was actually one of those milestone moments and, and moments of validation of I've done this and mm. it's been recognized without without me even trying to get it recognized. And I think that, yeah, just that, just the fact that everything I've been doing, I've been doing from a place of love and passion. Yeah. And yeah, it's been recognizing. For me, that was the ultimate reward. I love that. Because I don't even think I knew you at the time. I, obviously, we have friends in common. So the friends in common were like, we've got this friend. She's amazing. And just <laughs> to see somebody of South Asian heritage mm. at the age that you were at, actually being recognized for your services to something that's like pretty pretty hardcore quite niche, <laughs> quite niche. Uh, yeah I just thought that was absolutely incredible and I still you know really remember that very clearly in, the, in my mind the first time I kind of came across you in all of your achievements but for you I know it's obviously been a journey it hasn't necessarily mm. always kind of been all you know up 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 um but your journey to parenthood is something again that I find really inspiring and I know lots of people listening would also um would find inspiring as well my journey to parenthood um how long do we have we've got time we've got time <laughs> yeah it was actually about eight years ago now uh so I'd been married for a good good while we'd kind of really settled down we were really kind of sturdy in our relationship with my husband and I we've been together now about 18 or 19 years about to celebrate our 10 year anniversary actually. Oh, congrats. Uh, so really kind of settled in, in our marriage and we'd re been quite openly talking about building a family. And this is coming from someone who works really hard, sets their eyes on something and makes it happen, right? That's always been my kind of, my, my, had been my experience mm. to date. And then came trying to conceive. And actually it did happen straight away. So it was like four weeks of trying and it was like, Boom, two red lines. Oh my gosh, everything's going to change. Mm. This is incredible. And the excitement, the jitters, the, you know, already planning nine months ahead. All right, so we're not going to be able to make that event. I'm going to have to cancel these plans. And just, yeah, being in that moment felt incredible. And then I think it was just only two weeks later where, and I always describe it as I, I saw red. And in because it kind of describes it in so many ways, right? I mm -hmm. physically saw red, but I saw red in terms of anger, upset. Um, so I had I had an early miscarriage uh, at that point, and I'm going to be really brutally honest. It was a really really difficult moment for me because at the time my best friend was pregnant. That's really hard. And so we'd imagined this like life of we're going to raise our babies together. This is incredible. And, you know, we, we pictured being on mat leave and all the play dates and all of that kind of stuff. And, and then I realized, oh, my gosh, I, that I'm not gonna, no longer going to be able to realize that. And it actually caused, as you can probably imagine, a little bit of not friction, but distance. distance right. Absolutely. Because every milestone she was celebrating was one that I couldn't. And I remember thinking, OK, I'll catch up next month. All right, we, you know, our due dates were going to be one month apart. They'll now be two months apart. Mm. And that two months became three months, became four months, became she'd had her baby. And that kind of month after month of failure was not something I'd ever experienced. And I, I felt like a failure, but I also felt like my body was failing me. And it was a very strange place to be. But again, like trying to find the, 
I think the light in a in a very dark situation, it really got me thinking, whoa, why don't we know more about what it takes to conceive? Yeah. Because then came all this information around your cycle, ovulation, uh, what you can do to boost your fertility. Mm. What is your fertility? Uh, you know, all the tests that you can have. And I just thought, this is bonkers. I'm now, I think I was about 31, 32, probably knowing that, Everybody says it gets more difficult as you yeah. get as the older you get. But just thinking, I have I'm an educated woman. Actually, I come from the field of science and engineering, and I don't have a clue of how yeah. my body operates and what it takes to conceive. And my whole life was don't fall pregnant, <laughs> you know, don't get don't don't fall pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, it, it it won't look good at the community. This the community, and I just thought, wow, I've spent so long trying not to get pregnant that I don't know how to get pregnant. And actually, this was the, you know, I think this solidified the the five or six year kind of marriage that my husband and I had already had in that this was going to make or break us, right? Yeah, definitely. It is such a strain uh, on a relationship to go through something like this. I think it's actually harder for whoever's, um, I, I think it's harder for the for the guy, for the, for the man in the relationship because it's less of it is being done unto them absolutely and so I think they feel a little bit helpless in the situation um because it's easy to just kind of uh, sorry it's easy to just go oh this happened or I had this or it didn't work and this appointment but it's harder to watch the person that you love kind of constantly having to go through the rejection or the you know the, the poor results or whatever it is so it definitely strengthened our relationship but um, yeah so it was I think another year went by where it just didn't happen. And we were like, I said to my husband, I, I need to be doing something about this. Mm. So we tried all the, be better with what you eat, drink more water, you know, don't, um, we don't drink or smoke. So that kind of helped anyway. Um, but just being more mindful, exercise, get your health in gear. It will happen. It takes time. You yeah. know, the doctor's very much a, if it's not been over a year, just keep trying. And did anyone know at this particular point, were you kind of doing it by yourselves as a couple or did you have people that were kind of aware? Or Yeah, it was a very private topic. And I think for me personally, again, not being used to the, I want this, I'm going to make it happen. Why is it not happening? I, I really kind of went, I looked inside and I kind of, yeah, I just, for the for somebody who would speak to anyone about anything ordinarily it was a very bizarre situation to be in because even my closest friends I couldn't speak to them about mm. this it was one uh, an amazing individual that I confided with at work when I when I went then went on to start IVF and I think going down the route of IVF kind of made me feel back in control I knew the odds were against me of course they were but I was doing something about it I wasn't going to have any kind of regrets I didn't want mm. I didn't want years to pass by before I'd kind of intervened and actually probably the scientists in you a little bit as well exactly this is kind of where I thought there are so many scientific advancements why shouldn't I use it to kind of better my life or kind of you know how I would define bettering my life at the time and I was just like yeah I, I have no qualms about exploring this but again it's this very unspoken yeah. topic particularly in the South Asian community and you know I did kind of know about IVF only in that oh, so-and-so, they've got twins because they had IVF. Or so-and-so went to India, came back and was pregnant. 
they must have had IVF. That's all I knew about the topic. No one really talks. And maybe I think now there's a little bit more conversation thanks to people actually like yourself who are opening up the conversation. But I think at the time I can probably imagine no one was probably really talking about how grueling Mm. it is. And I know we've talked about you know, having to work your work diary in a way that you could kind of make that happen. But that in itself is a whole load that, yeah, nobody can really appreciate or really understand until you start to have these conversations. I mean, there was so much, so much pressure, right? So pressure I was applying on myself and my own body because I wanted to, I wanted us to realize that, right? And so every month that went by, every failed pregnancy test that I threw in the bin, I felt like I'm failing me, I'm failing us, I'm failing him. There's also the external pressure, which I wouldn't say, you know, it didn't really get to me, but it's there. It's still very, I'm very, very aware of the fact that it was there where, you know, you turn up at a wedding, usually in a sari, everybody's scanning that midriff. They're, they're going, mm, she's been married a while. Where's the, you know, almost like a where's so the baby. So hard. This womb watching is, yeah, really hard. I can't even imagine what that felt like. South Asians, we love a celebration. So there's so many, like, it's hard to avoid. There's always a moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to go and see the aunties and they're going to say, when's it going to be your turn? Or, you know, at the time I had lots of nieces and nephews and I was absolutely in love with them. But even that became difficult. It's like, I want this. I want this for myself. I want this for us. And yeah, I remember not turning up to birthday parties because it was just too triggering. Uh, I remember... Yeah, saying no to, you know, celebrating events because I knew that I'd be at this point in my cycle or at this point in treatment. And it literally it took over like three years of my life. So trying to conceive literally took over three years of my life. And that includes my working diary um, just where I and, and it was so funny because looking back, this is probably where my career was peaking. Mm. So MBE was pre baby yeah and I remember people going you must be so excited you must be so happy and of course I was but I was like there's something missing for you this isn't what I want like this isn't it's an amazing prize but it's not the prize that I want Mm. the prize that I want is you know a a baby a safe and healthy baby um, and a family of our own and so yeah it became really really difficult but IVF and I thought okay fine science is on my side we got this everything was looking promising great egg collection and I was learning loads by the way I I, I felt like at that point Dr Jazz was you know <laughs> only another couple of um, months of study away because you do become this like self-taught doctor you have to I can imagine so yeah There's so many different types of cycles so many protocols so many things that could help your chances and it really is a, a sense of hopeless hopelessness right it's like I'll do anything yeah. Um, whatever you want to inject in me, absolute fear of needles, but whatever you think you need to do to aid my chances. It's kind of, I was in that mindset. But when I was doing IVF, I felt like, okay, I'm super positive now because we've got loads of eggs. It's gonna, you know, and, and so many people don't even get to that stage, right? So I felt really hopeful and I thought, okay, this is it. It's been a gruel. It's been a hard slog, but we'll get our happily ever after on the back of it. And we didn't. So I remember test day. And those that those that are familiar, so those kind of IVF warriors amongst us will know, never test early because mm. you never know. And don't do it to yourself. But we all kind of do it. Yeah, <laughs> we of course. All... It's so hard not to. 
And I remember going into the bathroom, taking that test, it being the middle of the night and I wear contact lenses, so I didn't have my lenses in, not being able to actually look at what the result was, asking my husband to check. And just the look on his face, I knew. I knew what the result was. And I was like, I think from that moment, I was just like, I'm so heartbroken. I'm never going to be able to lift myself from this because those two, sorry, that that kind of the red line, yeah. the single red line for me was just one kind of hit too many. I, I'd been injecting myself for weeks, absolute fear of it. I, I was like, I'm doing all of this because I know it's going to be, you know, practicing all those positive mantras. I'd prayed so hard. And at that moment, I felt like spiritually broken. Yeah, you must have done. Because I was like, my prayers, they haven't been answered. And what more is it going to take? Um, and I remember my mum really lifting me from this kind of like dark moment, right? And saying, I have faith, it will happen. And, and you just carry on like you keep doing you and you keep doing whatever it takes but your your prayers will be answered and I just kind of thought, how does my mom have this blind faith and how does she know and, you know the kind of engineering me mm. came out going well, she doesn't know this and it might not happen and it's a one in three chance and you know what if next time this and then but then actually it was just that back to that that safe sound grounding voice and yes. just almost the pressure valve being kind of opened to go okay you know because many people could have gone all right right the next plan is do this do that and she was just like no it wasn't meant to be this time we go again and it was almost like a we you know we're gonna go again we're gonna do this again how awesome to have that support I know that support comes in many different guises and sometimes it's mothers and sometimes it's friends and sometimes it's fathers but just to have that that person that is going to really help ground you that almost isn't physically in the situation must have been so powerful for for you and your husband but how did you actually kind of come to that point where you opened up to her and maybe other people to share what you were going through and it'll be also interesting to understand how you opened up also to those who you needed to at work when the yeah. time was ready because I think also that's a really important conversation to have yeah so we actually both talked about um, involving our parents in this quite early on just because I was very conscious that they might be getting the kind of pressure or the kind of sly comments or the oh Jazz isn't you know she's she's so focused on her career when is she going to start a fa all of that kind of stuff and I just wanted them to be at kind of ease or just know know what our plans were and know the situation so we were quite open and I say quite open in that I was super open with my mum and I was, um, you know, sharing what I was comfortable with, uh, with Dipsy's mum and that side of the family. But it was good for them to just know, okay, cool. This is their plan. We're backing them a hundred. I didn't open up to anyone else. So mm. that personal board of directors, no clue. Because it's it was such a personal thing at the time. And when you're experiencing it, when you're living it, it is all consuming. Yeah. And I didn't have the energy to relive that's that story every single time I had an appointment or I had a result or I had an update but I did need a release and so Steph my friend at work she was she was absolutely that for me and it was very much a I've got this appointment coming up or this is the next stage and this is what they've said here's what the odds are and just a sounding board um and and almost an escape but also somebody who understood in the workplace what I was going through because I think doing it completely on my own and then having to show up at work as if nothing was going on would have felt so false 
um, and I think would have been so obvious. But having Steph and being able to talk to her and going out for lunchtime walks and just decompressing uh, absolutely helped. Naturally, I think, you know, sometimes we're better talking actually side by side rather than kind of face to face. Mm. So sometimes it can feel a bit kind of quite direct. But often if you need to talk about something that maybe you're finding quite challenging or difficult, sometimes it's actually really helpful to go for a walk side by side with somebody because it's less kind of dead on and confrontational. Yeah. Never, so never thought about it. Yeah, that way, but subconsciously, right. maybe that walk really just helped to, yeah. you know, get things off your off your chest. And obviously on this journey, as yep. we were kind of talking about work and managing it with your work schedule and, and your career was genuinely rising at the same time. What advice would you give for people who are either in the situation that you may have found yourself in back then or actually managing somebody who might be in that situation? I think being a manager now, I have a completely different outlook and also having shared my story, right? So I think times have changed. In the last eight years, I've definitely seen, possibly because of the circles that I'm mixing in, but I've definitely seen kind of the notion of fertility, miscarriage, um, mental health being spoken about a lot more openly. My advice now, and, and I know it's difficult because I didn't take my own advice at the time, would be to be as open as you are comfortable with, with your manager. because most more often than not it'll be someone who's experienced it or who's got a relative that's experiencing it or that's got a you know a friend that has just experienced it or hasn't experienced it and wants to learn what they can do to support you I don't think we kind of well hopefully don't operate in that kind of cutthroat world where it's just output driven I think people are genuinely concerned about their employees welfare certainly I am as a manager and I would I would always want to know what I can do to help support and they don't need to know any of the details if you're not comfortable with sharing them sharing them I did actually as I was undergoing IVF did share with my at the time manager that I needed some time off to attend some hospital appointments and that I would make up the time when I could and he was very much of a I hope everything's okay and if you need me I'm here so mm. you know you don't have to give away all of the kind of information or all of the details if you don't want to I think but having that conversation just relieved a whole layer of stress that I did not need while undergoing IVF. So yeah. I'm so glad I had at least that conversation. But if I was in that situation now, I'd be even more open. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes just having the space to express something, you don't always need to ex fully express the inner details mm. of absolutely everything that's happening with you, but just the, the space to express I need some time. Mm. And actually, I really commend you because actually it's a really mature approach to say, I need some time to do what I need to do, but I will make the time back. Or basically what you're saying is that everything that you need to handle will be handled. Mm -hmm. And if you felt that you had the capacity to do that, wonderful. Also, I'm sure knowing you, you, you if you've also felt that you didn't have the capacity to do that, you probably would have said, I don't necessarily have the capacity to do that, but let's have a conversation about how we yeah. can get to what we need to get to. So I think what I'm taking away is be open as you possibly can be, but also be pragmatic with yeah. what you can deliver as well. So many people take time off, right? So they just take holidays in the two-week wait or when they know the egg transfer window is going to be. And I, I'm... I'm a little bit selfish when it comes to my holidays. I want to be on holiday when I have holidays. So that was my, that was kind of my offer to say, I will, I'll make it up. But you, you asked earlier, like, how did I get to the point of sharing my story? 
And so there obviously is a, a really happy ending to this particular story in that I ha, I, now, I am a mom of two. So I conceived Dean, my elder son, through IVF, through a successful IVF. So after the first um, kind of fail, failed IVF cycle, I then went again about three or four months later and that one was a success. So yeah, thank you, science. Um, beat the odds. And I think actually going through the journey that I have made, I'm sure motherhood is special to everyone, but I feel like this is like extra special mm. because, you know, even now I think everything's, everything's an occasion in my house because for so many years, I just didn't know if we'd ever get to celebrate a birthday yeah. or a half birthday or, you know, I know most people do first days of school, but I'm like, First week of, you know, autumn term, let's celebrate uh, any marking occasions in any which way that I can, because I just, there was no guarantee that I would have them. Um, so once I'd had Dean, actually throughout this entire process, I had been journaling because I hadn't been speaking to anyone. My process, my sorry, my only way of coping and processing what I was going through was writing it down. And never with the intention that anyone else would ever read it except for me. It was just like, a, and I would often read back and go, oh my gosh, that was, did I really feel that way? Because it was so raw. It was literally in the moment as I was waiting in the waiting room, what I was feeling, how I felt when I saw uh, the result on the pregnancy test, how I felt when they said that you've got this many eggs fertilized, and marking every single moment of the journey, but writing it down. And I didn't even share it with my husband. It was literally just my release from okay, this happened and now I've written it down, I can move on. And it was on my first Mother's Day as a mum, so this was only two or three months after having DN, that for some bizarre reason, I just turned to my husband, I turned to Dips and I said, I want to share my story. Is it okay if I do? Because it's not just my story mm, to tell. It's his story too, yeah. It's our story. And I was very conscious of the fact that yeah, I have a certain social media presence and a love for for Instagram and he doesn't necessarily share it and how will he feel and he then kind of turned to me and said what do you think it will achieve and I said I think it will help others and he goes then you should go for it I love that and I at that moment I thought this is my guy yeah because I know this isn't his thing but he won't let it stop being my thing and I was as confident as I am, I was so, so, so nervous as to how it would be received by my family, who knew nothing by the, at this point, who knew nothing about it, by my friends, by my community, by my colleagues, everybody, right? This was literally yeah, like going out and into the public. out into the ether for people to see. And, and I was just like, what are people going to say? How are they going to respond? Are they going to think I'm airing my dirty laundry? Are they going to think I'm doing this for some sort of attention? What? How are people going to respond? And honestly, it's uh, just overwhelmed with the kind of responses that I got. Mm. It was people from the community going, you're telling my story through yours. It was people going, wow, I don't even didn't even know that it could be so hard. Yeah. I had my kids straight away. I'm so sorry to hear that you experienced this. It was people going, ah, oh, I had six cycles. And then, d d and I was like, people in my community, right? Like, so how? You never said, we, ne we exactly. never Exactly. And I, literally at that moment, I thought, imagine if I knew that yeah. and I could have come to you and asked you questions and perhaps not felt so alone. And I, honestly, I remember going into temple that evening 
because I'd released it. It was a Sunday. So it was um, Mother's Day, usually on a Sunday. And I went to Temple and I thought, everyone's eyes are going to be on me <laughs> for a very different reason. And I remember feeling nervous about even going. And it's really interesting, right? Because you get some people that are, that will hide behind a screen and go, mm. thanks for sharing your story. It was, re-. But the people that came up to me, mean something it meant so much because even in that setting right where it is a really taboo subject for them to come over and say I read your blog it was incredible thank you for sharing I just felt like wow this is for me it made every kind of ounce of doubt like worth it Mm -hmm. I had I then remember going into temple and somebody uh, standing next to somebody while we were doing something and she said oh I've I've shared your blog by the way and I was like okay with she goes with my daughter and I was like Wow. She's like 16. She's like, yeah, it's really important. She needs to know this stuff. Yeah. And at that point, I really realized the power of sharing stories and just addressing the kind of taboo subjects because I, for the first time in a long time, I felt like I wasn't alone. Yeah. I mean, you brought something that was a a dark place into the light. Mm-hmm. And once you bring something into the light, that light will radiate and the people that need to find it will will find it and that's what I absolutely love about your story and your journey is that it's intensely private and it's intensely difficult but actually there was something within you that said this isn't just for me this is for other people too and I think particularly from um maybe more ethnic cultures there are certain topics that just aren't talked about as they should be talked about because they have, the statistics are one in four, right? One in four individuals that wants to start a family, sadly will experience difficulties in that journey to doing so. So there's strong chances, no matter your background, mm-hmm. no matter your walk of life, there are strong chances that you will know somebody or may happen to somebody very close to you or you'll work closely with somebody who it will impact. Mm-hmm. So what you did I think you were probably one of the very first people, I can't say for sure, but you're definitely one of the first people to talk outwardly about, you know, fertility. But I think you're probably one of the very first people from a particular ethnic Mm. community to actually talk about it. So it's massively, massively powerful. Thank you. I mean, I I hope I can do it for other topics because I'm sure there's going to be many more along the way. But I think there's, there's just some power and beauty of knowing that we're all struggling with something but we're not alone I think that that the moment where I realized I'm not alone just gave me a new sense of energy Mm. of going out there and as difficult because that wasn't the end right it was yeah I had I had Dean and it was incredible I then went on to have further miscarriages um which were way more intense which were way more challenging way more difficult and again it gave me that energy to go out and share again and to reshare and to start the conversation and to create a bit of a support network. And since then, I've had so many individuals reach out to me and go, hey, can we go for a walk? Can we have a chat? You know, so this is happening. This is happening. What would you recommend? What would you suggest? And, and not offering kind of medical advice, but mm-hmm. almost like being that support system um, for others just brings me so much joy. Absolutely. And from you writing your blog, I don't know exactly how this happened, but it got picked up by the Metro, Mm. didn't it? Your story. So it's really powerful to think that you were just writing a journal that then turned into a blog that then got put into a national newspaper. I don't know how people find this information, (laughs) but I think there is something around that, like you said, the uniqueness of kind of that South Asian mouthpiece. There aren't very many 
of us. Um, I, I'm I'm now aware of so many more, right? Because um, again, back to this kind of community of IVF warriors um, and people and mothers on their or people on their journey to motherhood. This community that this Insta community that I've now found. There are so many of us, but we're now starting to surface. And so I think the fact that it was picked up will just mean that the next time there's an opportunity, somebody else will be picked up. And we kind of, we just make sure that we are all sharing our stories because they will resonate with so many. And I think the more, I think the more people you see that you can relate to, the more you're comforted by their stories and the fact that you too can perhaps kind of overcome any challenges that you're facing, right? There's such a power in not feeling alone sometimes Mm. in what you are going through. I think often all of us individually, no matter what we're facing, sometimes we can feel quite alone Mm. because we think there's nobody else that's really going through this that maybe looks like me or maybe has walked the shoes of life that I have walked. But actually in finding stories and telling stories, it's one of the reasons why I absolutely love sitting down and having these conversations is that we are bringing these stories to light and we're touching on many different topics, but many of the same topics. But I think fundamentally what we're trying to pull out is that you're not alone as you step into these seasons of change and of life. Um, But obviously this has been something that has been quite the journey for you or quite the journey for anyone really. And I don't even know how you, you must have such inner strength to even sit here and tell the story without getting emotional I have like half an eye that might kind of start wandering in terms of water Mm -hmm. but you know we'll keep having this conversation but what did you do what were the practical things that helped you in terms of like your mental well-being and your mental health because that must have not been easy writing walking talking I'd say those are the three things still that help me cope with pretty much any situation right fresh air stretching your stretching my legs on my walks is where I have like my best thoughts my deepest thoughts, my darkest thoughts, um, my brightest thoughts. And whether it's tuning into a podcast like like I did this morning um, or whether it's leaving somebody a voice note, whether it's checking in, whether it's putting on blast like old school garage two-step tunes or whatever it might be. Love that. <laughs> listening to like some, um, yeah, some spiritual music, whatever it is that I need in that moment combined with some oxygen and some fresh air, like that for me just really just grounds me, puts me back down to earth it allows me to really kind of process my thoughts so walking is definitely one of them on my walks I often talk but if it's not on a walk just I am one of these people that just needs to release and there's been so many occasions where I've left somebody a voice note and not even press send but felt a hundred times better having just said it out loud so I do that a lot um so walking talking and then writing writing is I think it's a very unusual form for me it's only since this whole kind of IVF experience that I started writing before that you know I'm a scientist I'm an engineer I like numbers I mean I'm a, I'm creative as well so I like to draw but you're definitely creative writing has never really been my thing it's you know never something I've enjoyed until it became descriptive writing and I think it's where I can have the most fun with my thoughts and I can also be rawer than I am able to articulate maybe in in, in just speaking because sometimes mm. I, you know you have to think when you speak but when you're writing you're just like duh, duh, duh. it seems to come a little bit more naturally to me yeah so writing walking and talking would probably be the ways in which I've kind of addressed my mental mm. health and chips <laughs> I love chips, chips always makes everything better are you a crispy chip or a soft chip person oh like <laughs> chips chips like proper homemade oh. peel the potato yourself oh, deep fry yeah. it yourself 
Yum. Dip it in some yogurt chutney kind of um, Maybe chips. minus the chutney. Yeah. <laughs> or, or ice cream. Or ice cream. <laughs> oh, I love chips. Yeah. So much. Oh, and my I, goodness. And I did turn to food a lot, actually, in this IVF journey where it brought me temporary comfort. Mm. I'm paying for it now and I'm having to kind of um, work on all of that kind of chip intake and carb <laughs> intake now. But, yeah, I think whatever brought me comfort at the time Absolutely. and it was a lot of a lot of times it was food absolutely i and i and i know i can't necessarily compare this to the other side of parenthood but once you kind of get into parenthood i always say to people the first six weeks is just about your comfort it's about what is going to get you through and i definitely feel that that's a mantra to life sometimes we can be quite hard on ourselves mm. and say no i don't deserve that because this is happening or no, I'm not going to do that because this is happening. But actually, sometimes we just need to lean into the things that make us feel comfortable or happy mm. or take the weight off. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So if it's chips yeah. with chutney, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's chips with chutney. And your career was pretty much on the up, as we've kind of touched on. How on earth did you blend your ambition and your career kind of progressing at the same time as all of this was actually unfolding? I think I channeled all my frustration into work. So I had to feel like I was achieving somewhere because I wasn't realizing that achievement elsewhere, right? So I think a lot of it was, yeah, there was there was time, it was time consuming and it was appointments and it was all of the stuff that was going on with the IVF, but I needed, I'm, I'm this kind of person that needs something to satisfy me. And that became the next promotion. It became the next stretch it became the next talk that I was going to do and all the things that put me out of my comfort zone on the daily I was just cramming them in because it meant I was too busy to be social which was great because that's what I needed it meant that I had a distraction from what I was actually feeling and hence I had to write a lot of this down because I wasn't actually allowing myself to process what was going on in the day it was only at night when I was alone with my thoughts that I would really start to write things down and I just, yeah, it was like, temp it was again, trying to plug a hole. Um, so I was doing it with food at home, but at work I was doing it with excelling because mm -hmm. it's all I knew. And it's all I, I knew, I, I, I felt like that validated the professional me even because the personal me wasn't getting what I needed. And so I really just redirected and channeled all my efforts into being a, being a better sustainability professional. Yeah. And Gosh, you are so incredible in terms of your career and it's so impressive. I mean, actually literally leading a whole sustainability function for, you know, a very, very well-known company. It's incredibly impressive. But I also think I really appreciate your honesty in having this conversation because I think often, so very often we see people, successful people, ambitious people, people that have got to a certain level in life and we probably just think they're rock solid. Mm. There's nothing that can fall to them. They're absolutely fine. But actually what you have done is you've been very vulnerable and really honest with us today and have shared that, yes, your career was kind of rising and you were progressing and you were getting promoted and you had this MBE. But actually there was still this journey that you were still going on. There were definitely things in your life that you were finding difficult and you've opened up how you've kind of tackled all of those different elements and facets of your life. And I don't take that for granted. It can't be easy to come and have conversations like this but absolutely you're helping so many people along the way so I just think it's absolutely beautiful thank you I think I honestly think it's so important for like like you said as we climb the ladder for us to be open be vulnerable 
talk about what it has taken, right? Because like you said, I, I was that person going, oh, look at so-and-so. They're now CEO of, oh, it's, it's because of this, 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 and this. It must have been easy. But everybody has a story. And I think this, like having an inquisitive nature, because it's very rare that people aren't willing to share their story. And I think having an inquisitive nature, anytime I'm with somebody, I, I'm, it's literally that. It's like, oh, so how did that happen? Oh, what did that, you know? And so just having that inquisitive nature will open people up and will make you more learned. Absolutely. Oh, Jazz, I'm so happy that we've had this conversation, like in person, being able to kind of see you and kind of feel everything, all the different ebbs and flows of your words have been an absolute absolute privilege and um you did say i shouldn't be nervous and this will be really easy and it was so thank you for making me feel so comfortable good my absolute pleasure um the question that i love to end on is uh, everything that you've experienced and kind of gone through and shared today has that changed how you define yourself oh i still would define myself as a jazz of all trades but i'm just most delighted to be able to wear the trade of mum because that is something i longed for for so long and never yeah, there were moments where I thought, it's, I'm never going to hear that word being, you know, uh, or being described as mum. Mm-hmm. And, and it's still now, like, when I hear my kids say mum or mummy, it just sends, like, a crazy amount of shivers down my spine to oh just my think. My spine I is am, shivering right now. <laughs> I Honestly, I am so grateful, so fortunate, so thankful for all that they are and all that they make me. Jazz, that is the most beautiful note that we could end on the power in that word and you hearing that word and being able to define yourself in that word because it's something that meant so much to you. But arriving to that place where that could actually happen, I'm going to finish this without welling up into tears. Um, Yeah, it's just so powerful. I'm so grateful for you sharing your story with us today. So thank you. Thank you for giving me such a platform to share it on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Omni Women's All Change Podcast and a massive, massive thank you to Jazz for coming on and sharing such a motivating and also moving story. Um, Jazz touched so well on her professional as well as her personal life and I learned so much from it. I'm sure we all will learn so much from that. So thank you again to Jazz and I will see you on the next episode.